When you're hiring, it feels amazing to finally close out a job search. But what if you could get rid of the search and just match? You can with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites according to a recent Indeed survey. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Welcome to the Solid Verbal. The Solid Verbal. Come after me! I'm a man! I'm 40! I've heard so many players say, well, I want to be happy. You want to be happy for a day? Eat a steak. It's that woo-woo! And now, Dan and Ty. Dan Rubenstein, the first three weeks of this year 2023 season have been something of a proving process, I'd say. You know, teams getting into more of their ready state before they really get tossed in the oven. <laughs> yeah, I guess you could say that. Yeah, I have that for that specific reason. Thanks for the tee up, Ty. You know, I have my 42 inch vertical. I just want to dunk this home for that specific reason. Everybody welcome to week four and sour dough Saturday. That's right, Ty. I think it fits. I think it's it fits. Pretty good. It's pretty good. It's filling. It's delicious. It's a little bit complicated flavor-wise, Ty. We've been feeding the starter for three weeks. We've been patient, and now we just have warmth ahead of us this coming Saturday. Now, I don't want to tell you that this is going to be an incredible wall-to-wall banger schedule of games as it plays out because, look, we could have a bunch of blowouts. Things could get kind of strange, but on its surface... I haven't been this excited for a Saturday in many, 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 many months. I mean, I'm always excited for week one, but because of the specific matchups and because of what we know about so many of these teams and what we expect out of so many of these teams, that the warmth, that smell filling our our proverbial college football rooms time. Oh, you're making me hungry. I didn't eat yet. It's new. I know. I know. It's new. That's all. Sourdough Saturday. Well, look, as you said, it is a very complicated flavor profile. In this here week four, we're going to go through all of it over the next hour or so. For those who are watching live on YouTube, hello, welcome. Don't forget to hit subscribe and smash the like button while you are here. If you can't make it 
This time, if you're just listening on audio, that's cool too. We appreciate your support. Stop back next time. Maybe we'll, I don't know. Maybe we'll see you around next time, next Wednesday. We're I doing hope this so. Every Wednesday at high noon Eastern, we're also doing it at midnight every Saturday. It'll be a very busy Saturday evening again at midnight Eastern as we recap all that was in college football week four. Um, as you are watching the games again, don't forget to give us a holler at eight, five, five verbal three the original college football reverb line still going, still going strong. Shall we just start? Like with our picks and not really beat around the bush here. Let's go. I'm ready. Dan, time, help. I need picks of the week. Picks of the week brought to you by our good friends over at verballers.com. That's where you can go if you want ad free episodes. You get the full episode every Monday, not just the preview that we post out on the feed. You also can play Run the Board in week four. <laughs> in week four, we're giving away a fire pit. Is that true? We're giving away a fire pit. Man. A Mesa XL solo stove tabletop fire pit. So not everybody's got big backyard where you get the Yukon or the bonfire going. But mm -hmm. now you get the Mesa XL. I'm even going to throw in some wood pellets. That comes out of my pocketbook. Oh, All of this comes you. out of our pocketbook. Yeah. But we'll throw yeah, in to the be wood clear, pellets. Not a sponsor. Happy to have them as a sponsor. We just want people playing and keeping people warm in the backyard, especially you're watching games come autumn time, come fall time in the backyard. Got to keep your mittens a little bit warm. I think it's a great idea. 12 big games to pick here in week four. I'm excited. You can hear the register going up. 12 games. Go to playruntheboard.com if you want to get directly into the game or go to verballers.com if you want to learn about all of the perks we have to offer. Either one will suffice. Get all sorts of bonus content, bonus perks by signing up to be a verbar. Let's start with our first big dog of the week. <laughs> High noon ABC. It is Florida State, a two and a half point road favorite at the Clemson Tigers, Dan. Um, you did the preview for both of these teams. I did. And if memory serves, and correct me if I'm wrong, if memory serves, you picked Clemson many weeks ago. I did. To win this game. Has anything you've seen thus far changed your mind on that? You mean Clemson losing to Duke? <laughs> your Namely? words, not mine. Right, right, right. Okay. So my the the way i i look at these types of games and this is just you know in in my bones is you know you have a good defense you're playing at home as a home dog at a tough in a tough venue with a tough crowd i i like siding with that team the thing that worries me about clemson right now is that their offense just might not be it right that there just is that worry to me that maybe there was a look ahead fact with Florida State. Maybe. And look, everything still points to me taking Clemson in this game. Two road games in a row for Florida State. An escape last week against Boston College that, you know, is, a, is a, an emotional drain. But obviously, this is not a look ahead spot. This is not a letdown spot for Florida State. This game has been circled for quite some time. So I'm still riding. Well, no. I am riding with Florida State, to be clear. I am, I'm switching my pick away from Clemson, my preseason pick away from Clemson, because even last week against FAU, I rewatched, and there was still something janky about, especially that passing game, and I, there was something like four or five, three or four and outs for Clemson, right. some short field touchdowns, that they were clearly better and out, out, out everything to FAU, but it 
it wasn't a taking care of business performance like I really would have wanted to see as this offense should have been getting back on track. And so I just think the ceiling for Florida State, and I also like that it's a it's a nooner, as you mentioned, right? This is an early game. And so if this was our night game, maybe there's something about the 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 frenzied crowd at night. Death Valley, I don't know. I'm going Florida State here. I'm just going with the quarterback advantage. I'm going with what I think is the pass rush advantage. I'm going with what is the offensive skill advantage, I'm offensive line advantage. I'm going with, with the Knowles here to win by, I don't know, 7 to 10. Indulge me for a second because Please. I had the same thought you did about Clemson's passing game, and yeah. I took it upon myself to dive into the numbers to figure out what what exactly is happening here because – the efficiency numbers that we know and love are actually pretty high for the Clemson offense, but there's also there's almost no explosion here. No, there's a, not a lot at all downfield, and it's super disappointing. It, it really is. And anytime I see that, I start worrying about a pickleball offense. Yep. I start worrying about basically an offense that operates exclusively within like a 10-yard box of yep. the line of scrimmage. Here's what I found with the passing attack. 69% of Clemson's targets have been for less than nine yards or behind the line of scrimmage, which is a lot. Yeah. They've only attempted 10 throws of 20 or more yards. And the biggest eye opener is actually not the big home run hitters, but it's the intermediate stuff, the 10 to 20 yard range. Cade Klubnik is doing well when he throws those routes. He's got about an 88% completion percentage, but it only accounts for 16% of the passing game. So the, a couple of theories as to why it looks that way. Either Cade Klubnik doesn't have time. Mm-hmm which actually does compute because Clemson is 93rd nationally in pressure rate allowed. So opposing defenses are getting to him. Right. That hence the offensive line advantage. Yeah. Right. He also could just be missing guys. He is a first time starting quarterback. I don't have the tape to break that down and tell you one way or another, but I suppose that's another logical conclusion. They also could just not have receivers who are winning in space. I don't think they do. Yeah. Because that's been a thing for the last couple of years. And you heard that, I think a strong chorus of, folks chiming in about, ah, oh, Dabo needs to go out and use the portal to get a receiver. And they have not had the T Higgins type receiver who can go up and win the jump balls in quite some time. Right. So there could be an element of receivers just aren't winning in space. Again, I don't, I don't know. I'd like for someone who has access to the tape and someone who actually knows what they're looking at with root trees well, and whatnot they're going, to tell me. They're, they're going three and out. They're like, they're not even moving the ball 10, 12 yards on some of these drives. And this was, look, it's a one-game sample against FAU, and maybe they weren't showing anything against the Owls. Yeah. But at the same time, you got to be able to move the ball more than that. Like, I'm I'm nitpicking because they scored, what, 48 points, and that's not the, the entirety of their being. But I don't know. They just don't seem like a team capable of taking care of business against decent teams, let alone Florida State. And And look, the other option is maybe this is just what the offense is now. And I, I think this is the least likely reason. Usually Clemson is 50 to 55% with the short passes, not 69%. Yeah. So something's off. This is all my very, very long way of saying that if all their plays are within 10 yards of the line of scrimmage, they're not going to beat Florida State. Right. It doesn't matter what the rationale is. They're not going to win this game. 82% of the people who are watching live selected Florida State minus two and a half. Dan Rubenstein, you selected Florida State minus two and a half. Yeah. I've got Florida State comfortably, like 34-17, something be, of that nature. To be clear, Clemson won this game last year in Tallahassee, did they not? Yeah. And probably more comfortably than that score indicated. And so this was not a great Clemson team last year. Still won the ACC. 
that quarterback has left, right? We'll get to him later when we talk Oregon State Wazoo. And so there is an element of Clemson should be somewhat confident, especially in their defense, having enough answers for Florida State's offense. Now, I still think this is a better Florida State offense this year than it was last year with that kind of experience um, and a better offensive line. And obviously adding Keon Coleman into the mix is a bit of calculus that you can't look at from last year. Right. But I I just think Florida State's the better team with the better quarterback with fewer questions. And uh, I, I love that it's a nooner. Let's get to our second big dog. Let's. Three thirty, also on ABC. It's Colorado at Oregon. Your Oregon Ducks, a twenty-one point favorite. So, um, the Colorado story went on for another week in week three with the double overtime win over Colorado State. We were watching as we were finishing up the midnight stream. Mm-hmm. By now, you've surely seen the news from ESPN that it was like their fifth most watched game ever. <laughs> right. So, yeah, Dion's moving the needle. He's moving the needle. Clearly, ESPN and ABC are licking their chops to get a game of real merit like this one. This is a big deal because both teams are ranked. Both teams are undefeated. Oregon is a real team. You I know, still the, want to see the metrics on that $9.3 million. Number. I know, right? $9.3 million, $9.3 million viewers. Maybe number, rounding like, up. I just want to see how they got there because I self-reported numbers I'm always skeptical of. Like the Ty Hildenbrandt Times said that Ty is the sexiest man in Pennsylvania, <laughs> but I'd like to see some more data. Yeah. It's like the Dennis Dodd reports about Brett Yormark. Brett Yormark. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> As they were on vacation together in Naples. No, uh, but uh, but this, is, this is where the rubber meets the road. Yeah. Right. It, and it sounds like they're going to have to do it without Travis Hunter. Thankfully, he's okay, but he's going to be out about three weeks per coach Sanders. Mm -hmm. So, you know, to quote the wise prophet, Jack Parkman. Uh Oh, <laughs> I think Colorado's standing on the tracks and the trains coming through. Okay. Not to mix my transportation metaphors, but, um, I think we've got a boat racing ahead of us here in week four for Oregon winning big over Colorado. You will hear more about this assumption later on in the show, perhaps when we get to a different segment, but what are your thoughts as the Oregon alum among us? So I, I think Oregon should comfortably win. I think the Travis Hunter factor plays a role. And as much as I think both of us love his athletic ability and what he's able to do to change a game, when Travis Hunter gets hurt, you don't just lose a starter. You lose two because you lose your best corner. You lose your best receiver or maybe your most versatile receiver. However, right. you want to categorize him because they have other good receivers, of course, and a very good quarterback in Shador Sanders. But I think that is a big deal, uh, especially when I don't think Cormani McLean. I mean, Deion Sanders said he's not ready and it's his, you know, his doing. He needs to get there. So uh, Colorado is playing sort of a corner by committee against a deep receiving core and a, a much more experienced and dangerous quarterback than they've faced so far. And an offensive line that doesn't allow pressure. I think they might be the number one team in the country in terms of protecting Bo Nix and keeping him clean at this moment. They're getting healthier along the line. Everything points to Oregon comfortably winning. The X factor to me for both of these teams might be penalties. That's where we saw Oregon really? struggle against a quality team. Yes. Penalties. Penalties. Explain. 
So Oregon, what did Oregon have in their in their lone matchup against a quality opponent in Texas Tech? Something like 10, 11 penalties. They were starting, you know, the false starts, the holdings. They were setting themselves back on offense. They were gifting yards on defense. And that's a nice way for Colorado to stay in this game or to win this game, right? That if Oregon is starting up first and 15, first and 20, whatever, and not able to get into an offensive rhythm, that's a way to quiet the crowd, to take the crowd out of this game. Oregon can do it to themselves. On the flip side, Colorado commits just as many penalties as Oregon. Mm. And this game is in a much louder venue than they're used to in Autzen Stadium. So if you're a penalty-prone team and all of a sudden you have... The, the frenzied electric crowd, which it will be. I think it's, what did you say? It was a 3.30 start? 3.30. Eastern, 3.30 yeah. Eastern start. So an afternoon start. It's a stripe out. It's the first ever <laughs> stripe out. That's the green and yellow stripe situation. You might get some false starts there. And so I don't trust. I, th- I think the big advantage that Oregon will have in this game, oddly enough, will be their defensive front against Colorado's offensive line. I think Shador Sanders is going to have a tough time. I still think he is going to have some success because I don't fully trust this Oregon defense against a quality quarterback. But I, I just I think it's going to be too much for Colorado. What did I write down here in my notes? I'll give you the exact score I wrote down. I wrote down 44 to 20. Mm, interesting. interesting. 44 to 20 ducks. And it's just... I, I think Colorado's a, a pretty good team, but I think in the the very specific way in which they're constructed and in, in which they're thin, in which they can be exploited on defense, as we saw with Colorado State running those crossers all game long, I think if you're struggling with Colorado State at home with the most positive Buffalo crowd, I think Oregon's going to be a wake-up call. I, I'm very heavy Oregon in this game. Okay. I'm, I'm very heavy Oregon in this game, and I realize we have doubted Colorado before. Yeah. This is not TCU or Nebraska. This just isn't. Oregon is not a fully rebooted, a rebooted program, excuse me, Yeah. in 2023. It's certainly not Colorado State. This is a legit conference, a legit playoff contender this season. And I think they're going to cut through this defense like a hot knife through butter. I agree with you. There is a disparity on both lines that we're going to see manifest in this game. Yeah. I think Shadur Sanders is very, very good. I think the hype around him is legit. I think he is solid. Yeah. But there's only so much he can do here in a game like this. Oregon wins this game 52-21. Okay. Wow. The other thing to consider, and I always like this when you look at two teams who will continue to recruit against each other a good deal as they target both big national recruits and in the West Coast footprint. Would Oregon rather win 38 to 20 or 52 to 20? Right? There, yeah. there is something statementy about Dan Lanning and Deion Sanders going head-to-head both on and off the field. 52-21 was my final. Let's get to another big dub. We've got four of them today. Please. 7.30 NBC. All right. Let's talk some football, Dan. Okay. Ohio State minus three on the road at Notre Dame. These teams have only played seven times. Can you believe that? Seven times in the history of college football. They've both but been around But a couple of forever. times relatively recently, right? They played in a Fiesta Bowl within the last few years. And then, of course, they have the, the Laura Quinn game. Uh, also a Fiesta Bowl, perhaps? Ohio State, Notre Dame? Played last Brady year. Cl- played yeah. last year. was and kind of, of course, a close last game. year, yes, in the home and home. Yeah. Kind of a close game. I have many thoughts on this game, as you might expect. I will let you go first. I'll let you lead it off. And I will fill in any of the gaps with my personal 
uh, subjectivity. <laughs> I can't look at this game objectively. I just can't. I can't. I already okay. posted out on Twitter before we went live here what, what my pick was going to be. I started getting messages from Notre Dame fans who either agree or disagree. My phone has been blowing up here. I'm not that popular, but at least as popular as a lowly podcast host such as I am, um, I started getting messages about this. People obviously care about this game. Where, where do mm -hmm. you stand here? Okay, so fascinating matchup. Of course it is. It's Notre Dame, Ohio State with both teams looking like top 10 teams this season, if not higher. I Okay, so Notre Dame at home with what I think is a good defense. You've had some questions about the pass rush, I think, but their pressure rate is still extraordinarily high. It is. This is it's Kyle McCord's first true difficult road start. And he has at times looked a little bit shaky. Of course, we have at times see Ryan Day look a little bit shaky in these big moments, especially on the road. Although the last time we saw it, they were right there to beat last year's national champion. Different quarterback, different team, different offensive line, different everything. Uh, but there is still some information and data to be gleaned from some of that. I like the Notre Dame offensive line. I like how they've been able to run the ball. I like that they've been tested against NC State against quality competition and came out of that looking very, very good in some weird weather. You have delays, but they stay locked in. Audric Estime comes out and has that big run after the delay, the hot dog fueled run. Yeah. If you're oh, yeah. to believe. Definitely. Yeah. Um, they have the more proven quarterback, although Kyle McCord might be ultimately be judged to be a better quarterback by the end of his career at Ohio State or certainly has better weapons as a quarterback at Ohio State. So if you give a, a bully ball advantage, it's going to be Notre Dame. If you're going to give a, an offensive skill uh, advantage, it's going to be Ohio State. Defense, the Ohio State defense looks kind of undercover nasty right now in a no, good it way. Does. It does. It really does. They've got a ton of talent that in the secondary. That They've got me. experience at linebacker. The ends are very good. We saw like... What did JT Tuamalo do against Penn State last year? Like He rises to the occasion. I... There's a lot to love about this Ohio State defense. The offense has looked a little bit wonky. I just don't know what to think of Kyle McCord and his confidence. Like you look at even the better throws that he had against Western Kentucky last week, and he just seemed a beat slower than C.J. Stroud, which is not a fair comparison, obviously, given C.J. Stroud's experience in the system uh, by last season. But there is something a little bit hesitant to me about Kyle McCord. That worries me on the road against Notre Dame. So I'm going to go with the environment. I'm going to go with the defense. Wow. I'm going to go with the experience. I'm going to go with the bully ball option that Notre Dame has that I don't fully buy with Ohio State. And it's just an, a prove it moment for Ohio State. This is obviously a game that could tip either direction. Ohio State has the talent advantage. Notre Dame has the advantages, I think, on the margins. So I'm going Notre Dame. If I can go with the, the more seasoned quarterback at home, Joined by his own good defense, I think there's more barely to like about the Irish. I have Notre Dame winning. I have 24-21, I think is what I wrote down here. Wow. Yeah, 24-21. This is, this is a momentous day for a couple of reasons, right? So as you were saying this, I was thinking back to this conversation I had with Mama H, of course, mm -hmm. like 6.42 a.m. Monday morning talking about this game. And... Usually when we talk about Notre Dame playing Ohio State, the first thought is, or the first thought has been, I hope they don't get killed. Yep. This year, I feel like that mindset has totally changed. And I don't know if it's from Sam Hartman. I don't know if it's because it feels like there's more depth or 
We like Marcus Freeman more than Brian Cat. I don't know what it is. I suspect it's got more to do with Hartman than anything else. They've also looked really good, but now it's like, instead of wondering are they going to get killed, I'm starting to think, well, all right, what are the ways that they could win? What are the pathways that Notre Dame could win this game? Because coming into it, obviously the odds makers feel similarly. It figures to be a relatively close game. The effect of adding Sam Hartman to this offense, not having to lean too much on one side of it, I think has really been important. They've been very balanced. They do need to run the ball. And I feel like if they can't run the ball effectively, that's a problem. I don't want to put this all on Sam Hartman. I think if Ohio State can force that kind of game, if they can beat out the bully ball that Notre Dame clearly wants to play, then that puts them in an advantageous spot. But I do think that Notre Dame is at least patient in their game plan. If it's not working early, and it probably won't, perhaps we see something like what you described on the NC State side, where it's not working, it's not working, it's not working. They come out of the delay. Audric Estime goes on a long touchdown run, and suddenly it breaks the whole thing open. There's a pinata moment. Now the passing game is open. Now the running game is open. The whole thing just sort of evaporated right before NC State's eyes. I'm hoping, as a Notre Dame fan, that it sort of goes in that direction. If Notre Dame tries the running game early, if it doesn't work, if they can get the big run, hopefully that opens up things for the rest of the way. My biggest concern, other than the running game for Notre Dame, is whether or not they can get pressure on Kyle McCord. As you said, first big road start. Kyle McCord and just the way this offense is constructed, they're going to try to do a lot of quick stuff. They want to get the ball out to Emeka Igbuka. They want to get the ball out to Marvin Harrison as quickly as they can. Start with some high percentage stuff. See where the game goes from there. But I think that's where they're going to begin their festivities in South Bend. It's with the quick stuff. And after they get past that, if Notre Dame can't pressure Kyle McCord after he has a little bit of confidence with the high percentage throws under his belt, that also spells problems for Notre Dame. I think Notre Dame's secondary is good enough to hang to some extent with these receivers, but not all day. Okay. Not all day. So they need to find a way to bring pressure. They need to find a way to change his rhythm and get him out of, I don't know, whatever confidence they can build early. And, um, you know, to your point about the Notre Dame pass rush, I probably mischaracterized it a little bit. It has been very good for the most part. I just, I want to see if they can get home. Their sack rates have been below average nationally. I think this is close. I think it's an awesome game. I think it features a little bit of everything, really on both sides, everything that both teams are good at. I think the difference is going to be the Notre Dame passing game. Are you worried, though? Are you worried, if I if I may? The mismatch to me is the combination of receivers rising to the occasion. We know who it is for Ohio State. We still don't have that concept on this kind of stage about Notre Dame. Jared Parker against Jim Knowles. And, like, I'm pointing in that, like, super spike V-ball. Remember that super spike volleyball yeah, game yeah, with it, the yeah. judge? And she po- I'm pointing to Jim Knowles there. I'm pointing to Jim Knowles and talent there where I was like, this is where Notre Dame doesn't stack up. And that's, we've seen it too many times in these kind of moments where you just like, oh, this guy's different, right? And Notre Dame hasn't, doesn't have that guy where you say, yeah, this guy's different. At least it seems that way to me right now. Yeah, and I think that maybe we are starting to figure out who those guys are. And you kind of took the words out of my mouth. Like, I think, I think Notre Dame's quiet ability to get vertical with some of the names that we don't know yet is ultimately the difference here because we've seen on occasion Jaden Greathouse become a favorite target of Sam Hartman, newcomer. We've seen Tobias Merriweather, very lightly used Tobias Merriweather got in on the action 
improved last year in very limited action. And this year again has shown that he wants to get vertical. I think those are the guys that can be difference makers. We just haven't seen a whole lot out of them yet. That's my take. I've got yeah. Notre Dame outright. I've got up Notre Dame 31 to 30. In this I'm game. totally questioning it the way I, <laughs> I just, the combination of Jim Knowles and Sam Hartman having like the quarter and a half of three picks was like, Oh God, is it this week? Is it this week? Um, a no, little too much, Notre Dame. a little too much steam on Notre Dame. Not just you and I, 72% I of the people watching live. My hunch is that the public's going to back Notre Dame as well, just because it's a fun play at home. I don't yeah, know. I'm no, going no, Irish no. and yeah, I'm sticking with it. Final big dog. <laughs> 7.30 on at the same time as this Notre Dame game. CBS, it's Iowa at Penn State. Penn State <laughs> is a 14 and a half point favorite, Dan. Yeah. I love that. I love that we're including this in big dogs, even though what it's a whiteout game. Iowa's ranked. Penn State is ranked. It's it's deservedly in this spot, though, man, after what Penn State looked like on offense last week, what Iowa has looked like on offense since 1993. Um, <laughs> I don't know. Um, my read on this game is I, I am loving the idea of taking the points in this game. Yeah, because yeah, you have to this many points in this specific matchup with a quarterback who has come nowhere near seeing a defense like what Iowa should be able to present. It just yells 21, 16, 19 to 12, 23 mm-hmm. to 15, something in that range, two touchdowns to me when you don't have proven electricity to me on offense for Penn state as of yet all around, like, Oh, we can win like this on offense. We can win like that on offense. I think drew Aller's ceiling is fascinating and super duper high. But throwing into the teeth of this Iowa defense, even at home, even with this, I, I think there's a certain amount of pressure that comes with being a Penn State quarterback in a whiteout game in a, against a ranked great defense. So now I'm taking the points. Penn State wins by, you know, six to eight points somewhere in there. October 23rd, 2004. Oh, we're going back to this annually? October 23rd, 2004, there were 106,572 people in Beavers, crammed shoulder to shoulder in Beaver Stadium. I was one of those poor souls. And I never recovered. I never recovered from that six to four game. I don't care what the point spread is. I saw 14 and a half. My eyes got like saucers. Are you kidding me? I can't in good faith lay the points knowing what the history of this game looks like. I just can't do it. I think the key to this game is whether Penn State can run the ball because that's the bedrock of the whole thing here. They did not have much success doing that against Illinois, and this is a better defensive front. So I think Iowa's good enough to to shut it down for a while. But the frustrating part about Penn State's run game is it's almost not built around 45 carries, 35 carries. It's built around 30 carries that go nowhere and then Nick Singleton running for 78 yards and a touchdown. And that home run is what basically breaks it um those two to three home runs are what i'm counting on here because i do think they're going to be stymied for the most part on the ground and just think i was a very good defensive front um whether it's scoring a touchdown on a long run whether it's flipping the field on a long run penn state needs a couple of those if they want to win this game at home now that weird, being by the said, way weird mismatch in this one just because you're talking about that when you flip it penn state's defensive front against iowa's offensive line might be super advantageous for Penn State. Oh, at big this time. Moment. Big time. Big time. So, I mean, I think you have to pick Penn State outright because they've got too many ways to win this game. 
And how many points does Iowa need to win? Do they need like 20, 27 points to win this game? Yeah. Something like Are that. Are you confident yeah. that they can get to that? I'm not. I actually don't think they need 27. How many do they need to win this game? I think if I I could 100% t- if you told me Iowa won outright 21-18, I'm like, that's about right. I think they need to get above 20. I don't think they can win this game scoring fewer than that. I'm just not there with Penn State. You just You're talking about it right now. The Penn State rushing attack. It's not efficient at the moment. No, it um, isn't. It's built so, on those home runs. That's what right. it's built around. And that's what is a little bit worrisome to me. Um, the, the way I see Penn State actually covering this game, if you were to tell me in advance, if you had a crystal ball and you're like, Abdul Carter has a pick six, right? right. That like Penn State gets home, Cade McNamara throws a weird floater as he's being tackled and they're able to cushion themselves with a pick six. Okay. That's that's where I see Penn State covering. Short of that, which you can't count on, yeah, I'm going I'm going points. Yeah, I mean, I just I don't know how Iowa's scoring. And it should be said that they lost their tight end Luke Lachey for the season on a leg injury. Yeah. A gruesome leg injury. He was their primary target in the passing game. Also, their top two running backs, I haven't checked as of this morning, but at last check, their top two running backs, Caleb Johnson, Jazz Patterson, who was kind of the star in the Cyhawk game. Both those guys are dinged up. Neither was on the latest too deep for the depth chart for this weekend. Right. So how are they scoring those points? I don't know. Still, there is no way in hell I am giving 14 and a half. I don't care if I'm wrong. The scars are too real for me. Penn State wins 24 to 11. So barely not covering. I guess barely not covering, but... It's it's a lower scoring game than would meet the eye because it's Penn State Iowa and yeah, that's twenty three sixteen. That's what I wrote down. Okay, we agree. Do we agree on all four of those? I think so. Man. I'm worried about. I'm not as especially worried about the Oregon one. I'm not especially worried about Florida State. I'm worried about Notre Dame and Iowa as picks there. Yeah, a little too much steam on Notre Dame. I don't. I don't like that. Let's get to the early window of games if we can. Please. Um, some other games that we could not cover that are also very, very significant. We didn't cover them in the big dogs, but sourdough high noon (laughs) (laughs) caught you off guard, right? Sourdough. Yeah. I'll do the Berman voice later for the sourdough. Yeah. 12 o'clock high noon on Fox, uh, Oklahoma at Cincinnati. They're covering a game other than Colorado, which is a treat. Oh my God. Oklahoma favored by 14 and a half at Cincinnati. I've been really down on Cincinnati since they hired Scott Satterfield. And to be honest, I was looking through the numbers this week. It's probably been a little bit over the top. And I I wanted to give them their fair shake this week. I did pop the hood on the numbers. You think you were being too mean to the Bearcats? Oh, definitely. I definitely was. I definitely was. So I took it upon myself this week to pop the hood on the numbers, make sure I'm kicking the tires, make sure I'm giving them their fair shake when we're talking about a very big game here at home against Oklahoma. The story that the numbers told actually on Cincinnati is very interesting. I felt like they spoke to me. Okay. Literally spoke to me. Continue. Through the spreadsheet, they said, bet Oklahoma. Here's why. The Cincinnati defense is not bad. Since Cincinnati has allowed the most big plays. <laughs> right. It's, nation, not, right? it's not bad. <laughs> it grades out as a top 40 defense in the country, but the problem has been the big plays, especially yeah. in the passing game. And get this, it's especially when they blitz, especially when they blitz right now, Mm -hmm. Cincinnati profiles as a feast or famine kind of defense. 
honestly, the kind that internalized the whole aggressive attacking mentality that I like to joke about. Brian Brown, their defensive coordinator, literally told the local media back in August, quote, we want to be an attacking style defense. And that shows right. itself in the numbers. It's, it's very apparent that that's what they're trying to do. It just doesn't always work. And when they can't mm-hmm. get home, that's when they get scolded in the past game. I, I'm interested to see how this works against Oklahoma um, because this is a, a better opponent than we've seen Oklahoma play thus far. So maybe maybe this will provide a bit of a speed bump for them. I, I don't know. I'm not counting on that. But I'm interested to see how they handle a defense that's going to come at them. They really are going to come at them. So I think it's something like 42-24 Oklahoma. I think we might look back and say our first sign of Cincinnati not being that great is allowing 21 points to the Pitt Panthers. (laughs) It's too many points to allow. Once you allow that many points, yeah, I, I don't love their defense. I don't love counting on Emory Jones. I don't love that. Cincinnati might be like the fourth best team in Ohio after losing to Miami last week. I I think Oklahoma's better. I think I I like both sides of the ball better. I I'm not going to overthink this. I don't think no. Cincinnati is especially good and I think Oklahoma is what what's the line at the present 14 moment? 14 and a half. Yeah, I think they're going to win this game by 17 to 21. Another big one at noon on ESPN, excuse me. Yeah. Auburn at Texas A&M. AM favored by seven and a half at home. Fascinating game. Fascinating game because we know yeah. a lot about AM at this point and almost nothing about Auburn. We know that Auburn hammered UMass and Sanford and barely got by Cal Snuck on the road. By Cal. Yep. Back in week two. What Auburn's doing is actually a bit of, I don't know, it's a little, a little counterintuitive because they're running a bit more than you'd expect from a Hugh Freeze offense and they're not a very explosive team. However, when they pass, they are taking shots down the field. And that's what I think makes this game really interesting because that's how you get AM. If you look at the numbers, that's how you get AM right now. They've given up a bunch of big pass plays, big run plays too. They don't discriminate, but a bunch of big plays, especially through the air. And, you know, Auburn, like Auburn's rebuilding a bit after the Brian Harson thing. I get the sense, though, that they're already pretty organized around their identity and what they're trying to do on offense. Right. I think they can move the ball. I think they can get pressure on Connor Wegman. They're not even a great pass rushing team, but I think they can get pressure on Connor Wegman. Connor Wegman's dealt with that all year. He's been very good under pressure and they have not protected him at all. He's completed like 70%, whatever it is. So he's been good in spite of the line. I don't know. Like, am I too deep in my spreadsheets here? (laughs) Yes. Okay. Am I too deep in the spreadsheets to think that this could be close? Let's pull back. Okay. I'm not super confident in A&M, especially after seeing what they did or didn't do against A&M, excuse me, against Miami. But this is sort of like you saying, okay, it's clear the way that I, that everybody should beat the Golden State Warriors is by backing them down in the post. So if I feel like I get the ball in the post, I, Ty Hildenbrandt, <laughs> get the ball in the post... I have a pretty good shot. All right. Like, yes, of course. If you have Tyler Van Dyke, if you have the Miami offense and Miami receivers and the, the, the new look Miami offensive line, and you're playing at Miami, you have a pretty good shot to make some hay against the Texas A&M defense. (laughs) If you're bringing Peyton Thorne and Robbie Ashford to the party, maybe you're not Ty Hildenbrandt. Maybe you are Ty Hildenbrandt in the post against the Golden State Warriors. That's the thing. So, I'm I'm going with AM here. I think there's enough firepower for the AM offense. I think they're going to get more comfortable within this offense at home. 
And I, well, Auburn has a couple of really interesting pieces. I saw our friend Bud Elliott talk about a linebacker who's been popping oh, yeah. for Auburn recently. And so I, I like all of that for Auburn in the long term over the course of this season, that they're building a defense. But if you're talking to me about on the road against a, an offense that I still think can score points and you're bringing the Auburn quarterback situation, the Auburn firepower situation. No, I, I think A&M wins this game something like 33 to 20, 28, what? 16. One interesting factoid on the Auburn yeah. front, Jay Fair, their wide receiver, he's run 20 routes and he's been targeted 19 times. Peyton Thorne seems to like him. That's a lot. Okay, he's zeroing in. 95% of the time he runs, he he gets the ball thrown his way. 31-28, A&M wins. I think it's close. All right. Uh, very quickly, just a few quick mentions here. The Iron Skillet game at high noon on FS1. It's SMU at TCU. TCU favored by six and a half at home. We also have Kentucky, minus 14 on the road at Vandy. We've got Rutgers at Michigan, Michigan favored by 24. Virginia Tech, a five-point road dog yes, against Marshall. And also Army at Syracuse, Syracuse favored by 14 and uh, a half points. Any thoughts on any of those games before we move to the afternoon block? Yeah, I have Kentucky here just because of the Vanderbilt defense that, you know, the doors have been moving the ball well enough. I'm curious about Kentucky's receivers waking up. They've kind of disappeared at times, but I think it's Vandy, I think, in a, in a revenge spot, by the way, for Kentucky losing that game last year. Michigan, I've liked the under this year in Michigan games because it seems like the the new clock rules uh, hurt a team like Michigan in terms of running away, but... Jim Harbaugh's back, right? Yeah. So there might be some sort of enthusiasm and effort and explosion. Players playing a little bit differently. Who knows? As much as I like Rutgers, I don't like their offense on the road against what appears to be an excellent Michigan defense. So I think, I think the Maize and Blue run away with this and win it by you know five or six touchdowns, something pretty large. Um, I like Marshall here mostly because I don't like Virginia Tech, and uh, I like Syracuse just because I. I don't know. It seems like their defense is taking a step forward against Army. Um, and I, I I don't know. I, I was really impressed with what they did last week on the road. But Noah Rondi Gadsden, the second, uh, worries me a little bit. But ultimately, I think they're going to play a complete game against Army. I've got TCU fairly comfortably over SMU. I think SMU. Oh, and yes, as do I. I think SMU is overmatched here. And uh, we can talk maybe on one of our bonus episodes at verballers.com about some of the subtle differences in the offensive footprint for TCU. I, I studied that as well, but I, I think TCU's got them here. That's really the only game I feel passionately about. Shall we about get to TCU. the yeah. afternoon block? Please. Afternoon slate is also loaded. Um, I really hope that anybody isn't waiting around for a window of opportunity this week. No, no, it's there like is, put up. Doesn't the, seem like there is one. Put up the away message <laughs> and just hunker down. Put up your favorite emo lyrics, what have you? Wow, and just hunker down. Make make a date night on Friday if your significant other wants to hang out with you on Saturday. Be like, look, I it's a pretty packed day. Let's do something Friday. Let's get some fajitas. Let's get a pie. Let's watch some. Let's let, let's I don't know. What is it called? Max? I was going to say HBO. Let's watch some Max. Not a sponsor. Could be not a sponsor. Could be. Um, and really, really give effort to your partner Friday night because effort. it's effort. <laughs> give effort. I, that wasn't intentional. Yeah, but life advice from Dan Rubenstein. All right. Make make Friday night an HBO night. 
3.30 CBS. It's Ole Miss at Bama. Yeah. Bama is a seven-point home fair. We have a lot to discuss with this game. We have mm -hmm. a lot to discuss. First off, Bama's going back to Jalen Milrow, a quarterback. So there's that. They made that official. Also, did you see the Lane Kiffin conspiracy? Oh, that Kevin Steele isn't actually calling the defense for Alabama? Lane Kiffin is asserting that the Alabama defense is actually being called by Travaris Robinson and not Kevin Steele. Quote, we've been against Kevin a number of times, worked with him at Alabama and against him at Auburn and LSU. There seems like there's been a change there. I don't know what happened after the Texas game, but our guys watching the TV copy and schematically in this last game certainly seems like T-Rob's calling the plays now on defense. We played him before at South Carolina, so we're preparing accordingly for him on defense. He's done a good job, too. They've got really great players, blah, 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 blah. I, Secondary's is this a, coach, corner's coach, yeah. Is this a weekend at Bernie's situation with Kevin Steele where they're just, like, putting sunglasses up on him and propping him up and taking him to the booster events, or what's... Man, Ty. Um... I love that the lines just in society between <laughs> authority figures and message board posters are so blurred to the point that Lane Kiffin fully could be absolutely correct, would know more than I would by 10 million percent. But I love that he's out there with play calling conspiracies at the podium ahead of the Alabama game. It's wonderful. Wonderful. And you know what? Lane Kiffin has sources at Alabama. He might just know and is talking as if like, well, it doesn't seem like it was like he just might know an assistant equipment manager no. who was like, oh, yeah, it was Kevin Steele. His <laughs> microphone's not even on. The Solid Verbal is sponsored by BetterHelp. Here's a question. What's the first thing you'd do if you had an extra hour in your day? Would you go for a run? Would you take a nap? You know, a lot of us spend our lives wishing we had a little more time. The question is, time for what? If time was unlimited, how would you use it? The best way to squeeze that special thing into your schedule is to know what's important to you in the first place. Therapy can help you figure that out and help you make it a priority so you can do more of it. Therapy can benefit everyone. It's helpful for learning positive coping skills, how to set boundaries, or just trying to find the best version of yourself. It's not just for folks who have experienced major trauma. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com solid today and get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com slash solid solid oh man this is a close game last year bama won it by six in oxford it was tied until about 11 minutes left in the game right so this is very very close i will cut straight to the chase i think Ole miss has been very good this year i don't think it's a mirage jackson okay. dart has truly improved in a dramatic way notably in this game quinshawn judkins the star running back is hurt i don't know his status for the game I have not seen that at time of recording. Maybe that will change. Obviously, that matters here. It matters a great deal. How good is Ole Miss? I don't think they're as good as Texas, but I also don't think Alabama is as good as we're used to Alabama being. I also okay. think we know a lot about Alabama. We've seen them against teams now that we can use as a barometer. And what we learned last week is that 
against good teams against bad teams, they're not good enough to rely solely on Jace McClellan and Roydell Williams. And I think that's a big takeaway. That's yeah. a big takeaway. So that to me is concerning in a game like this where we know Ole Miss has a lot back. It feels like they've gotten better across the board. My, my hunch is to go Ole Miss plus the seven. I'm going with Alabama here. I'm going with Alabama because if, and this is a big if, right? If I had wheels, I'd be a bicycle. If Alabama had unimpressively taken care of business with Tyler Buckner, with Ty Simpson, and probably taken care of business with Jalen Milrow, as we now know, they win that game, whatever, 28-7. Unimpressively took care of business against USF. If. We would, that, we would look at this line as unbelievable value. And so I am not ready to shovel dirt on Alabama quite yet. Mm. I still see this as value. I still see this as a defense that will continue to get better. There's some youth at key positions on it. I, I do. I, I think they're going to improve over the course of the season. The thing that has me more concerned over than the Jalen Monroe thing is the offensive line thing yeah. for Alabama. The running game. The running game, protecting the quarterback, counting on some youth up front that has been up and down. That's the worrisome thing for me for Alabama. I'm not especially scared in this moment of Ole Miss up front with the number of changes. I don't think their pressure rate is especially high early on in this season. I, I'm going with Bama here. I think they're going to be up for this game at home. I don't think Ole Miss is bringing what the Texas defense brought to the table in Tuscaloosa. So I just think there's value here in single-digit Alabama. And... I'm going to need to see more disappointment from Alabama before I fully buy in on like a an average Ole Miss defense maybe dictating this game. So I'm going – and look, I know Ole Miss defense is probably better than USF's, but I'm still going Alabama here just because of the value. Just because yeah. of the value. I don't – if you're – if you think Ole Miss can win this game in Tuscaloosa, one, I still think you're saying Ole Miss is probably a 9 or 10 win team. And I don't know if that's what you believe. And you're saying Alabama's like a seven and five, eight and four type team. Mm. And I'm not there. I'm not. I'm, I'm not. not there with Bama. But I'm also not at the point where I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt. Okay. At least not in the way that I have in the past. I just think something is different this year. It occurred to me watching all three of Alabama's games so far that regardless of what everyone says about Tommy Reese being there to coordinate the Alabama offense, he's very much running the Notre Dame offense. This is a, it's the Notre Dame offense. And okay. I'm just, I'm imagining him rummaging through the drawers at the practice facility. Like, well, who is, who is to say that if Kevin Steele isn't calling the Alabama defense, that Tommy Reese isn't calling the I, Alabama offense. Maybe time. Kevin Steele's calling the offense. I don't know, but I'm Zach. just imagining Reese looking through the drawers, searching, like, is there a tight end I can use somewhere? Is there a Michael Mayer on hand that I can throw right. every pass to? That's probably what happens next. He needs to find a Michael Mayer to avoid getting fired. I, I just have not liked what I've seen so far, and I agree with you on the offensive line. And I don't know. I'm not giving benefit uh, benefit of the doubt to Alabama. I've got right. Ole Miss plus seven. I think it's close. Okay. Next game. 3.30 on Fox. UCLA at Utah. Utah favored by four and a half. All indications are that Cam Rising is going to give it a go. Saw that it's not official at the time of our recording, but what's what's the number? Four, four and a half? Four and a half. I have Utah here. I have Utah here because 
I think playing in Salt Lake City, playing at altitude, Ty, I think it's a big deal. I always think it's a big deal with a true freshman starting quarterback for UCLA, a UCLA offense that I think will be very good, but I think it's just a different animal in Salt Lake City. I don't love the Utah offense. I like them more with Cam Rising. I like them a little less in Cam Rising's first game coming back from an ACL injury, but I just think it's too difficult. I think it's a mismatch. Um, the whatever, what's his name? Carson Steele, the running back transfer in Steele. Um, he has a big Steele episode here. Um, I think he's going to struggle a bit against Utah. And I think the UCLA offense will look a little bit too disjointed and Utah wins this game 24, 17. Yeah. UCLA won this one last year. Yeah. It was at home 42, 32. And that was after Chip Kelly got hammered by Utah in his first three matchups against Scott Whittingham, just got drilled. I'm kind of hoping this line gets bigger. I'm kind of hoping that if the Cam Rising thing becomes official as expected, that more people are going to want to bet Utah, and that's when I'm going to take UCLA. I'm I'm okay. worried they don't have the line to play with Utah. I'm worried that's about fair. that, because that's been a work in progress for Chip, Charles Chip Kelly. Charles Chip Kelly. It's definitely gotten better. They've gotten more physical, but I'm I'm still pretty convinced they're not nearly up to Utah caliber. And I am worried about Dante Moore in his first big Pac-12 road test at altitude. <laughs> but I think he's the real deal. I think he's good. I think he's a real deal. I've got Utah losing at home. Man. I've got UCLA outright 28-24. I, I'm going to give you one more shot, Ty. I'm going to give you one more shot. <laughs> One more chance. True freshman quarterback at altitude against a good defense in Salt Lake City. Okay. Yeah. UCLA 28-24. I tried. Also, 330 ESPN. BYU at Kansas. Kansas favored by nine points. Another fascinating matchup here. We've got contrasting styles. We've got BYU 3-0, one of the most inefficient offenses in America, but beat an SEC team last week, so good for them. On the Kansas side of things, well, obviously, this is one of the best offenses in America. We've talked about that before. Um, defense, though, for Kansas, a bit of an issue. I think safe to assume that pretty much any game at Kansas is still winnable until the defense really improves, takes a big step forward. Yep. We can just assume that nine points is a lot. Yeah, it is a lot. That was my reaction, that if BYU struggles doing this and Kansas struggles doing that, I just take the points. Really interesting stat for BYU, though. They are near the bottom of the nation in number of offensive plays, and they play at a very, very slow pace. But they are tied for first in the nation with 14 drives per game, hmm. which seems a little counterintuitive. The yeah. only way that happens is with turnovers and defense. Right. They're a plus four turnover margin. They're forcing teams to go three and out 39% of the time. They're better against the run than the pass. They don't have much of a pass rush, which I think could come back to bite them here. Um, I kind of like BYU to cover the spread. Okay. We agree. I'm worried about it a little bit. I think BYU, this is going to annoy a lot of BYU fans. I apologize. I think BYU's offense in its present form wants to be Utah. They want to be Utah. They're not physical enough yet. And they don't have a good enough running back to pull it off. But that's kind of the model. They've got a dink and dunker at quarterback. He's yeah. throwing at a tight end a lot. It's not explosive. What we need to watch here is if they can get more efficient. B 
because the the Utah system, if that is the model, that system only works if you can be really efficient. If you're not, then it's a pickleball offense. So I think I think this is a good game. I think Kansas is genuinely a very, very good offense. I think they could score on anyone. Um, I've been tinkering with my spreadsheet a lot, and I'm going to eventually try to release that to the Patreon folks, hopefully within the next couple of weeks. I've got this line somewhere around four and a half in favor of Kansas. So I think okay. they win here, but I don't know. I 27-21, BYU yep. keeps it close and covers. Team was tied with Nevada, and I like to forgive whatever happens in Reno. It's an awful place. <laughs> Maybe the people are great. I've come across nice people that live in Reno. I'm related to people that live in Reno, but just in terms of Reno as a whole. <laughs> Reno is awful. Reno's pretty awful. Not and a so sponsor. I forgive, could be. Could be. Yeah, not anymore. Um, I'm willing to forgive being tied 10-all at Nevada. Uh, it's a strange place. Uh, I'm going BYU here still. A few other games here. A few quick mentions. Let me know if you've got a read on any of these. 4 p.m. FS1 Oklahoma State at Iowa. Iowa State favored by three and a half. Oh, God. Okay. I looked at this game and just moved on. Yeah. Uh, I'm Oklahoma State here. I'm not. I'm going with Iowa State. Even though it seems the numbers would indicate that Oklahoma State might be barely better, but... If you're talking about shaky quarterback play against a good defense at home, I it's 6-3 Iowa State. Sure, that covers it. 3-30, it's Texas Tech minus 6 now at West Virginia. We've also got at 3-30, Maryland minus 7.5 at Michigan State. Also at 3-30, Boston College traveling to Louisville. Louisville minus 14. And on the C-dub... At 6.30, it's Georgia Tech at Wake Forest. Yes. Uh, what else we got here? Oh, SEC Network, UTSA at Cincinnati. Or uh, Tennessee, excuse me. That'd be crazy. Cincinnati with a doubleheader. I, I think there's a chance UTSA gets annihilated by Tennessee. Yeah, Frank Harris is day-to-day the last I yeah. saw. Tennessee is, I'm, I'm in on Tennessee. I like Georgia Tech outright against Wake Forest. Whoa, interesting. Okay. Yeah, I think I think Michigan State's probably done so. There's just a lot going on there. I don't I can't I can't take them against anybody really right now, especially a team like Maryland that's got an offense. I like Texas Tech. I think it's a tough spot for West Virginia off the big home win. Possible letdown there. Um, I guess Louisville against Boston College. I don't really have a strong read. Whoa. Okay. Uh, read on these games. I like Texas Tech against West Virginia on the road just because I think there's a letdown quality to West Virginia after winning the brawl last week. And I think Texas Tech will slowly improve, uh, you know, losing at Wyoming, losing the manner which they did to Oregon in heartbreaking fashion. I think they'll get their act together. So I'm still a believer in Texas Tech and Joy McGuire. So give me the Red Raiders. The Red Raiders. The Red Raiders. Uh, Maryland minus seven and a half. Maybe Maryland minus anything against Michigan State. Lock of the week, Ty. Oh, really? Yes. Lock of the week. I don't, I don't know what Michigan State right now is playing for. Mel Tucker, of course, made official his firing for cause. And just the way that Washington shellacked them last week. I think there's a, a decent chance we're going to see a Michigan State season that sees the stands like we saw in that final season of Mark D'Antonio. Remember when like senior day and there was like 38 people in the stands, <laughs> just like a just like a smattering. Yeah. Of- I don't mean to laugh. It's not their fault. No, it's that not- visual yeah. was yeah. sort of gallows humor worthy. So that's where I'm at with I think. And what month is it? It's September, Maryland. 
Yeah, it is. I mean, everything is adding up, right? It's a beautiful elixir of Maryland pain. Uh, Wake Forest, I have winning this game comfortably against Georgia Tech. Georgia Tech is fun to root for to me. I like outright. Key. I like I, outright. Telling you, I think I think the Georgia Tech defense is feastable for Wake right oh, now. Oh, it's feastable, but outright. Okay. We disagree there. Uh, I have Louisville over BC, a big letdown game for Boston College going on the road. I think Louisville is just going to run all over them. Okay. Um, uh, and ten, uh, Tennessee big, Nebraska big, oh, Illinois big, right, 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 Duke big, Miami big. Wow. In that window. Big Dano over there. Let's get to the night block. Let's. All right. Oregon State at Washington State, 7 p.m. on Fox. Oregon State favored by three. I am genuinely interested in this game. Same. I do not think we have a great sense for who Oregon State is at this point because DJU did not look good last week against San Diego State. They won that game 26 to nine. Mm -hmm. Haven't really played anybody else to give us good data. Meanwhile, I think Wazoo on the other side of things, has overperformed. Right now, they project out as like an 8-4 and four team, a 9-3 and three team, if they can steal a game like this away from Oregon State. I was really impressed by how they looked against Wisconsin. Of course, what do we know about Wisconsin? Right? We can go down this rabbit hole very, 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 very deep if we want to. I think this game looks a lot like last year's game. Okay. Last year, Oregon State won 24-10, basically just sat on Washington State. They had the ball for 10 more minutes, they ran for over 200 yards, led by Damian Martinez. This year, I think they have more pop with DJU at quarterback. Last year, they won this game with Ben Galbrinson. So, bit of an upgrade there. I also don't like that the Wazoo offense is built entirely out of Cam Ward. It is all Cam Ward. All Cam Ward, everything. And I like Cam Ward. I liked him more than you did last year. I don't like him this much. I just don't like him this much. I like Oregon State a lot here. I think it's something like 30 to 17. Okay. I just want to get this on the record because I think you're a a silly little delicate butterfly. What? Yes. Okay. Really? Here's what we know. Okay. A silly delicate butterfly. Yes. Just fluttering about with your picks. Flapping your wings. Here's what we know. Washington State is more tested. You made reference to that. Oregon State had some shaky quarterback play last week. As, as you referenced, Oregon State has played nobody, right? Correct. Has Oregon State traveled? I don't have it in front of me. Has Oregon State been on the road this season? I don't know. Doesn't matter. Oregon State, I'm, I'm going to look it up in live time. Did they I go to San Diego State? Oregon State has, yes, they went, no, they went to San Jose State San Jose to open State. the season week one, and then they played UC Davis and San Diego State. So they haven't been to a... A power five stadium yet outside of research stadium the new look research stadium which actually looks really nice by the way i don't know if you've seen it um it's the palouse at night and you bring occasionally if not half and half shaky quarterback play against a washington <laughs> state team that has defended the run is more tested has a good or if not decent quarterback in cam ward i'm not super duper high on washington state this year but as dogs with a pretty good defense in a weird place to play at night? Mm. I don't know, Ty. Enter at your own risk with Oregon State. I, I'm going wazoo here. And you know what? Just because I called you a delicate little butterflyer, 
Get get your lock of the week finger ready. Double Brian. barrel? Double double barrel. Lock of the week. Silly little butterfly. Just I have my over own here scar fluttering tissue. around. Just fluttering around. I have, my, I have my Oregon duck scar tissue at Washington State <laughs> to account for hey, with this pick. We are our true selves here on the show. I bring my own baggage, just like Coach Prime. Eight. And it's not Louie. It is duct taped <laughs> all the way around. 8 p.m. FS1. It is UCF at Kansas State. Mm-hmm. I really liked UCF when I did the preview in August. I really did. They're 3-0 and now. They went to Boise. That was an ugly game. Oh, that was a terrible game. They haven't played anybody else. Right now, UCF looks like a top 30 defense. I don't buy that at all. Okay. I don't buy it. We use the opponent-adjusted stuff a lot here to try and understand who's good, who isn't good. It's week four. Most of the time, even those metrics aren't good enough, aren't wise enough to know who actually is good. And I just think that K-State's going to score. I don't buy what I'm seeing from those numbers. I think that is a bit of a mirage, actually. I'm taking K-State. I'm taking K-State, backup quarterback, uh, in the Little Apple at night. Even, And I think the way you actually get K-State is probably, as we saw last week, through the air. Uh, some of the, the new full-time guys in the secondary aren't doing a ton for me for K-State. I just don't think UCF is that program. So, 38-24. Is John Rice Plumley out? 38-24. He's out. Yeah. yeah. 38-24, K-State wins. Okay. Let's go to Texas and Baylor. 7.30 ABC, Texas minus 15 at Baylor. Um, Blake Shapin, I believe, is still out for the Bears, yes? which uh, I can verify, but yeah, that's what I had seen, yeah. Which means another week of Sawyer Robertson. Yeah, not expected to play against Texas. No. Let yeah. me ask you this. Back in week two, you felt strongly that Baylor was going to cover against Utah. But knowing what you know now, two weeks removed from that game, are you going to buy or are you going to sell Baylor's chances now against covering the spread? The the latest line? 15 in favor of Texas. I think I'm going to go Texas here just because the combination of the speed with which they can score, as we saw last week, 10 all in the fourth quarter against Wyoming. It was a Longhorn Network game, so we had to dip into some special URLs to watch it. I'm going to go with Texas here to cover. I think they woke up a little bit last week. We can question them less on the road because of what they did in Tuscaloosa. Obviously, this was a close matchup against a not-great Baylor team last season. I think it was a late comeback win for Texas, if memory serves, against the Bears last year in Austin. I'm going to go with Texas reasonable, with reasonable comfort against Baylor this year just because I just don't trust this this Baylor offense in this moment, uh, especially against a defense as good as Texas is. So I, I sort of hate these kinds of lines as favorites on the road, but you, you have to have reason to believe in Sawyer Robertson and the Baylor offense, and I haven't found it yet. I think this is a crockpotting. Honey, it's ready. Mm. I see Texas starting slowly, and then before you know it, it's 35-10. Yeah. I'm out on Baylor, fully out on Baylor. A couple other games here that I want to bring to your attention. Let me know if you've got a read on any of them. North Carolina, minus 7.5 at Pitt. We've got Arkansas at LSU. LSU favored by 17.5. It's a big line. 730 SEC Network, Mississippi State going to South Carolina. South Carolina now six and a half point favorite. That line has moved up. We've got Memphis at Mizzou. Mizzou favored by five and a half. Also Minnesota minus 12 at Northwestern. 
and Arizona minus 11 and a half at Stanford, Dan. All right. So I have North Carolina comfortably against Pitt. We might look back on week four as a wonderful time in which you could give only seven and a half points against Pitt. Uh, and North Carolina has a bye week, so it's not a look-ahead spot by any stretch. Um, and then I have LSU big against Arkansas just because I think they're going to overwhelm the hog offensive line. South Carolina comfortable against Mississippi State. Even though I don't love South Carolina up front on either side of the ball, I don't think Mississippi State is the team to take advantage. Memphis against Mizzou. Letdown spot for Mizzou. And Memphis really hasn't played super well, and their schedule hasn't been incredible. But I think they match up well. I think that the Memphis defense I agree. I will agree. make Brady Cook feel a little bit normal. I think after if Mizzou had lost last week, maybe that's a three and a half, four and a half point spread. And look, obviously all these things change it. But yeah, I like Memphis, maybe even outright. I think it's in St. Louis. Yeah, I want to say it's a neutral sider. And here's the other thing. Brady Cook is questionable for the game with a knee injury. Yep. And I think a prime letdown opportunity as you said, kind of tough to get up after winning a 61-yarder, winning a, the game on a, on a 61-yarder at the gun. Yeah. And so there's a good chance Sam Horn plays and he's a better quarterback anyway. I think Mizzou fans wow. were screaming that since I don't the preseason. Know. I, don't, I mean, we've seen him a little bit, and Brady Cook just threw, threw 350 yards it's, against the reigning I, Big 12 champ. Okay. Listen, I got you. I, I hear you. I don't disagree. I have Mizzou minus six on my sheet. Okay. But I'm, I'm going Memphis plus the points. I think it's a good situation for Memphis as well. Memphis is a good team. Uh, I hope so, because they've sort of floated in the background for too long yeah. uh, after the the Justin Fuente and Mike Norvell times. Um, Minnesota minus 12. I think that's a reasonable enough pick just because I think they should be able to run all over uh, Northwestern. Arizona big against Stanford, who is just not that good at no. American football right now. Uh, I'm with you on North Carolina. I think they win comfortably. I like LSU rather comfortably. I think they're on a mission after that Florida State loss. Mm -hmm. I also think you're going to need more than KJ Jefferson to beat him at home. So I'm on LSU. I've got South Carolina lock of the week. Wow. Lock of the week. Yeah. I'm fully out on Mississippi State's offense. And we know at a minimum, I'm, I'm with you on the line play on the South Carolina front, but we know at a minimum they're going to play hard. And Spencer Rattler is good enough to keep it interesting against most of the teams he'll play. And um, I just feel like they've got more to play for here. I did like this line a lot more when I grabbed it on Monday at four and a half. Okay. <laughs> but I still like South Carolina to win this game, um, you know, outright and cover that spread. I said Memphis. I'm with you on Minnesota. I also have Arizona. We'll we'll talk about that one here momentarily. Can I tell you my favorite thing that I learned this week about LSU football? Sure. Uh, there was some sort of ESPN graphic that, I don't know if you saw this, that had like Mel Kuyper's top seven receivers in the 2024 draft or something. And it was like your usual suspects of Marvin Harrison Jr. here and blah, blah, blah. Um, and number five or six or seven was Hayden Neighbors for Alabama. Okay. <laughs> Obviously intended to be Malik Neighbors, Hayden Neighbors, Hayden Neighbors, spelled, I think, in the correct way, N-E-I-G-H way. Uh, a walk-on receiver for Alabama who hasn't played. Some graphics intern got the list that included, or somebody told him out loud or her out loud, neighbors. <laughs> and they went and found hated neighbors for Alabama instead of Malik. Beautiful. Yeah, Beautiful. it's great. Uh, USC favored by 35 at Arizona State at 930 in the Pac-12 mm, after dark it's window. It's going to be real ugly. Yeah, 
Yeah, I, I don't have a reason to take Arizona State. So I'm going to go Please, USC. And be careful what you say. I don't need you being suspended by Lincoln Riley oh, that, for anything right. untoward you say about USC. So really proceed with caution. They're very sensitive over there at USC. Uh, Cal is a 21-point dog against Washington. I'm on Cal. On to your butts. Sam Jackson finally played for a full game last week against Cal or with Cal for Cal against yeah. their opponent and showed all the flashes that make people excited and all of the warts that make him a first time starting quarterback. He showed all of that. So um, I think they can keep it interesting against Washington. You think in Seattle at night, this yeah. is what an after darkish game, right? 1030 after Eastern yeah. after dark. But is that that's your your selling point? Is Sam Jackson is interesting? I just want to pick Sam Jackson the fifth. Yeah, hold on to your butts. Hold on. Who does to Washington your butts. have the week after? Do they have anybody significant? Well, is the it a look ahead spot. Yeah the the week after California At Arizona is the mighty Arizona Wildcats. Yeah, that was a that was a game they struggled with last year, right? I mean, I think Arizona would be the play next week in week five because Oregon is on deck for Washington. Yeah, I guess the only thing you could say about this matchup it's at night whatever jump out to a, a comfortable enough lead and cal gets a backdoor cover i just i don't say washington i think is down a starting corner and or a corner and i think they're starting center as well yeah i just don't think cal and cal's pass defense and pass rush is the team to take advantage so i i don't know washington's been taking care of business in unique ways so i i think washington's gonna win this one big on friday it's wisconsin minus six at purdue nc state minus nine at virginia Boise State minus six and a half is in San Diego State. We also got Air Force and San Jose State. Don't know if you got a lean there. I'm not crazy about Wisconsin. I'd probably go Purdue plus the points. That's my only lean. Hold on. How many straight games has Wisconsin beaten Purdue? I don't care. You I'm don't not crazy care? About Wisconsin. No, I'm not. I'm not crazy. Are you crazy about Purdue? No. <sighs> okay. The full games list indicates. I would take Purdue plus the points. The year was 2003. <laughs> 2003. Uh, so however many straight matchups, 4, 5, 6, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19. So they only skipped, it looks like, in uh, 7 and 8. I don't know. I'm not Tied. crazy about Wisconsin. I'm not into Purdue either. But Friday night game, I'm going Purdue. I don't know. There's something very automatic. Wisconsin wins, Wisconsin but Purdue here. covers. Okay. Have fun with that. That's, uh, that's all I have. I have NC, have. State, NC State over Virginia. Boise over San Diego and Air Force, potentially big over San Jose State. That's all I have for week four. Again, verballers.com is where you can go sign up mm -hmm. to support what Dan and I do and get access to bonus perks to play in the run the board week four game for a Mesa XL solo stove. I'm throwing in some of the wood pellets. Not a sponsor. Could be. We bought it with our own cache. We will send it to the winner. We've got yes. hundreds of verballers out there playing run the board. Go to playruntheboard.com for more information playruntheboard.com. Quick favor, Ty, can you drop that big, stanky, writhing, yearning drum and fife? Oh, baby, oh, baby, oh, baby, here we go. Did you see that the Patriot League and ESPN re-upped? I did, I saw it. You gotta throw us a game, Pat League. And Just ESPN, throw us a game. I'll go to Hamilton. 1230, Georgetown, finally away from multi-sport field, on the road at Columbia. Mm. I think they're just too used to that crazy crowd. I'm going Columbia here. I'm going Georgetown. Former Chip Kelly stop. 
Stonehill at Fordham. Gotta go Fordham, right? I don't even know what Stonehill is. I know there's a Stonehill barn. There's like a, a restaurant that's notable. I don't know if they're related. I don't know if the barn has amassed a team of players. I'm going with Fordham here big up there near Arthur Avenue. Let's go to Colgate at Holy Cross, Dan, at 2 o'clock. Who you got? Holy Cross limb from limb next. 3.30, Penn, UPenn on the road at Bucknell. I'm going to go Quakers here. If you dive deep into the numbers, you understand what they're able to do on the road in this specific scenario and this kind of matchup, Ty. Dartmouth hosting Lehigh? Did we do that? Well, I wanted to do that one last because there was some tragic news about Dartmouth coach Buddy Tevens. Yeah, let's take the music down. Buddy Tevens died after a bike crash back in March. Mm. Um, Obviously a sad moment for the team. They're going to be holding a moment of silence before this Lehigh game. Um, sad stuff. Thoughts? Buddy, I mean, he's Dart- been all over. Buddy Tevens has been yeah. a, a notable college football guy for a long time. Got to go yeah. Dartmouth, right? Got to go Dartmouth. Going Dartmouth for Buddy, and I have Lafayette big over Monmouth. As do I. We've got one final bit of housekeeping. Dan, let's do it! Ty versus the world. Ty versus the world. Presented by DraftKings Sportsbook. Four bets this week. I feel like we're getting stronger each week. <laughs> okay. The dough has proven we're ready. We know who's good, who's not good. South Carolina minus six and a half. You know that is my lock. I'm also on Oregon State because I'm just a fun little butterfly. What would you call a me? Silly little butterfly. Silly little butterfly. Fluttering about. Oregon State minus three. Give me Arizona minus 11 and a half. And give me mm. Florida minus 28 at home against Charlotte. Those are my four big picks. Then I've also got a silly little parlay. Uh-oh. I am steered into the fact that I think Colorado is going to get drilled. I'm so sorry if you work at Fox. <laughs> and Colorado is unable to maintain this momentum. They don't have the game. They don't care. Well, they want to be at more Colorado games. Probably. Okay. They yep. probably do. Mm-hmm. We're calling this the bad news Buffaloes parlay. Wow. And it all is in. heavy Oregon. It is all in on Oregon. It is Oregon minus three and a half points in the first quarter. It is Oregon minus 23 and a half points overall. It is Oregon over 44 and a half team points. It is Colorado under 28 and a half points. And it is an odd, an odd number of total points. Got to okay. hit all five for the Bad News Buffalo's parlay. I'll tell you this. I'll tell you this. As reward, if you get this parlay, if it all hits for you, I will buy you a premium Oregon shirt. An Oregon You'll buy shirt. me a very first. Oregon. I will buy it for you for this much confidence coming through. Yeah. Oregon minus three and a half first quarter. Oregon over 44 and a half team points. Oregon minus 23 and a half in the game. Colorado under 28 and a half. Odd number of total points. Because we're odd. Wow. Okay. Good pick. Football is more fun when you're in on the action, Dan. So download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Sign up with code SOLID. New customers can bet just $5 to get 200 instantly in bonus bets. That is only out on DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Use the code SOLID. The crown is yours, Dan. Yes, I love crowns.
That does it for week four, man. This is a big week of games. I am so excited, Ty. I am so excited for this week. I'm excited to figure out what I'm going to eat this week. I got a, I had a like an elite fried chicken sandwich, like a spicy fried chicken sandwich last week. I think I'm I'm, I'm hitting on all, all cylinders here, Ty. I'm ready. So look, for ballers.com again is where you can go sign up for the Patreon, but sign up for the game. Play for the game. Play for the stove, man. Play, play the stove. Play. stove. Not Stay a sponsor warm. could be. Not a sponsor could be, but it's a cool little tabletop fire pit. I'm very pro fire pit. So enter for your chance to win that. All you got to do is going out to either verballers.com or playruntheboard.com. Both will kind of give you the info that you need to sign up. Give us a call this weekend at 855-VERBAL-3. Let us know what is on your mind. We'll play your reverbs as part of the Saturday at midnight live stream. Hope you all can join. And of course, if you made it this far, you obviously like what we're doing. Make sure if you have not already that you leave a star rating and review on your podcasting app of choice. Um, that would be very helpful. <laughs> we would appreciate that. Yes. It would make more people interested in what we do here. I would love, love for people to go out and leave very nice reviews. Even if you're like, eh, Ty's not my guy. Dan, I'm more of a Dan. Five star reviews. Say something nice. We'd be very, very appreciative. Enjoy your sourdough Saturday, boys and girls. For that guy over there, my good friend Dan Rubenstein. For myself, Ty Hildebrandt. As always, stay solid. Peace. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY at 467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort, 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. See dkng.co slash football for eligibility terms and responsible gaming resources. Bonus bets expire seven days after issuance. Eligibility and deposit restrictions apply.